Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at Well, good morning, good afternoon, depending on what time you're watching this message. Uh, we're glad that you joined us for our online service. My name is Shane Grove, and I've had the awesome opportunity and privilege to speak a message of, of hope and encouragement today. I just want to say so grateful for lead pastors that we have, like Chris and Kelly Wild, and their trust in their teaching team over these last few weeks to bring messages of hope and faith and encouragement to living rooms and bedrooms, wherever you're watching uh, these messages. And today, I just, I, I don't take it as a, a light responsibility, but it is, it's, a, it's a weighty responsibility uh, when it comes to encouraging people with the hope that comes through, through the life of Jesus. And today, a word that was placed on my heart is, is one that deals with cultivating a life of faith and godly influence. I know this to be true of my life and, and all of our lives, that every day we have the opportunity to influence in, in certain ways, but it doesn't always mean that it's godly influence. And today I want to kind of challenge us in, in ways of, uh, I don't know, just being more aware thinking through, okay, what does my life in following Jesus, what does that faith walk look like, and how am I influencing people within my home, within the culture around me, uh, in a way that points people to uh, that which the kingdom is all about. Think about it, and we've heard it before. If you've been with us at Capitol long enough, you've, you've heard and listened to our lead pastors even painting this out in a beautiful way throughout the text, but it's the idea and the reality that as followers of Jesus, we've all been invited to participate in the miraculous works of God. Uh, it's this unique privilege that we all have an opportunity that we get to collaborate uh, with what God does within our city, the nation, and even the nations of the world. What does God do? Well, God restores the brokenhearted. He heals the sick amongst us, around us. And God takes that which is dead and he brings it back to life. And we get a firsthand front row witness of this. We're invited to go with God along this journey. And we know this is true because Jesus has made it so. And the only reason that we're able to get this access is because of the wonderful achievements of, of King Jesus. It's, it starts with Jesus. It's about Jesus first and foremost. He's always has to be primary. There's never moments when you're trying to live out and you're living out the kingdom uh, message and mission that Jesus is somehow sidelined. He, he never is sidelined. If you want something to come of your life that has kingdom worth and value, it's always going to be centered around, around Jesus. And I think to cultivate a life of faith and godly influence requires that we learn to let King Jesus lead. Uh, he psalms 23, the good shepherd, for a reason. When you look at miracles, you understand that it's actually God's doing. God works the miracles. It's not our chore. It's not my strength and my um, talents and my uh, ability to manipulate certain factors and elements to make something happen. No, the role of miracle making, that all is God's role, his job. My job, our job today and forever is to learn to daily commit our lives, our past, our present, our future to Jesus and watch him go to work in ways in which that we can never dream of by ourselves. See, in Psalms 37 verse five, it says, commit your way to the Lord and he will act. 
So the role of God is to act and to perform those miracles. The role of you and I as followers is to simply commit our time, our talent, our energy, our devotion to God on a daily basis. Proverbs 16, verse 3 says, Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. So our job today, wherever you're listening and watching this, is to do the best you can in committing your life, your family, your business, your talent to God, and watch God establish and set that up in ways which uh, only he can do. I want you to think about this before we talk about, and I have three, basically, ways that we can evaluate where we're at when it comes to faith and godly influence. But before we talk about that, I just want you to consider the, the, the power of atmosphere and the power of environment. I think both are essential for healthy spiritual growth. Uh, and I've known this, that atmosphere and environment, it's not based off osmosis. It's not some um, built-in standard default that we get when we say yes to Jesus, that now the environment and atmospheres of our life, our mind, our heart, our home are just going to be uh, standard across the board. Uh, no, it, it, it actually requires uh, time. It requires energy. Atmospheres can be created. Atmospheres, environments are to be shaped. Atmospheres and environments of our life are to, to be influenced. Recently, uh, to kind of prove my point here, recently I was given, which is awesome, sourdough starter. Now, this sourdough starter, uh, I was told, is over a century old. It's 101 years old. And I was given to it in a jar because I really want to make some sourdough. Now, I just expected I'd get it in a jar, take it out of the jar, put it in some type of baking dish, put it in the oven for X minutes, and then voila, sourdough bread would happen. I, I didn't realize until I was informed that, no, 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 actually, this sourdough starter is now a, a new commitment I have to take on. Why? Because with the instructions given, I was told that I have to feed this sourdough starter every week. Essentially, what was given to me was a new member of the Grove family. Um, not only my kids are involved in this, uh, and my wife in this family of mine, our, uh, our, our pets are involved in this family of mine. Now I have sourdough starter that's over a century old, that it's my job, because it won't happen by default. It'll eventually go bad. It'll become unusable. It's my job to make sure that I feed it and go through the steps of what's needed to produce this wonderful sourdough bread. What's the point? Well, the point's true for the environment and atmosphere of our hearts and minds. If gone unchecked, and if we're not feeding them the right things in the right way and doing it with the right time, what's going to happen is we eventually become unusable to be a change in different makers with, with, within our, our culture. Um, we can pretend to walk in faith, but we're really not walking in faith if we don't feed the right things into the environments and atmospheres in which we are living. How do you know if you are uh, in the right in environments? How do you know if you possess the right atmosphere of your life? This is where I want to give us three ideas to think about. I think number one, to evaluate honestly and to uh, really uh, just test out for our own selves, are we really walking in great faith and are we really influencing in a godly kingdom manner? I think the first thing to check and evaluate is the condition of our thought life. Cultivating a sound mind uh, is, is essential, is, is crucial for walking a life of faith. See, a life of faith and influence requires giving attention and exercise to a sound mind. So I want to ask the question, 
today? Do, do you feel captive to your thoughts? Are you constantly uh, thinking critical of yourself, uh, your neighbor, others, the world around you? Do your thoughts wander? Are they confused, unstable? Are they twisted? Are they argumentative? Uh, if so, these could all be some side effects of an ill, of an Ill mind. See, the idea that your body follows your head, or in other words, uh, where your mind goes, your life will follow is, is a true reality. Um, when you think of the idea of change your mind, the idea of change your mind was the central theme uh, to Jesus' first message in the book of Matthew. What is he saying? The, the idea of change your mind is the, the, the word repent. He's saying when you repent, what you're doing is you're changing the way that you think. And when you change the way that you think, what happens is you actually start to change the way that you live. So if maybe you've fallen into this, this category where if you're honest with yourself, you'd say, man, the environments and the atmosphere of my mind is the opposite of sound. I feel like it's a little bit sick. I feel like it's, it's ill. There's something wrong with it. Uh, take heart and assurance today that that doesn't have to be the full end of your story or the conclusion. The conclusion, it actually starts and stops with King Jesus. Jesus saying, if that's been the case, don't fret. Just repent. Change the way that you think. And we're going to talk about some of the examples that have been given, what Paul says, what Peter says, and how you change the way you think. Because in changing the way you think, it affects the way you live, and the way you live affects how you treat the world around you. Uh, one psychologist says, as we think, we change the physical nature of our brain. As we uh, consciously direct our thinking, we can wire out toxic patterns of thinking and replace them with healthy thoughts. I, I want you to consider, is the environment of your, your brain, in the environment of your thinking, of your mind, is it something that is uh, promoting kingdom attributes of humility, of grace, of love, of kindness, of compassion, of meekness, of mercy, or is it creating toxic moments and elements uh, that leave other people and even your own life a little more ill or sick. If that's the case, take heart. Both Jesus and modern day science says you can actually change uh, the patterns of your brain by thinking completely different. So editing the way you think changes the focus and the way you think then changes the way that you live within our world. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 12, it says don't become so well adjusted to our culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll cha be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what he wants from you, and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you, and he develops well-formed maturity in you. Scripture also reads in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, it says, so prepare your mind for action and exercise self-control. Why is this so essential? Well, because it's the elements needed to cultivate a life of faith and godly influence in the right atmospheres and environments. But it's also the direct opposite of probably what our culture is exemplifying right now. Uh, we live in a culture that operates in very little self-control. The way of a Jesus follower is one that is shaped by self-control, exercising a sound mind, taking those thoughts captive. And how do you change things? Well, Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, 
He says, this is one way that you can change the way that you think. You, you change the subjects. You, you, you change what you're looking and focusing on. He says, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And as Proverbs 23, 7 says, as someone thinks within himself, so is he. So your mind, it, it, it's more than just ideas and creativity. Uh, it's more than just theory that's being operated there. Uh, it's the place that directs uh, the actions of your feet and everywhere your life is going to take you. So Paul is saying if you, you want to change that, then you change what you focus on. Focus on the things that are going to add value, health, and encouragement to your soul and to people around you. Number two, if we want to live and lean into this life of faith and be people of godly influence, it's going to require not only we have a sound mind and we're focusing on the right things, uh, but it also requires that we cultivate a healthy heart and even a healthy stomach. Um, what you eat, I think, is so, so important. And, and I know there, there's so many diets out there. Some work and others are just a complete scam, and they just set people up for failure. Uh, but I want you to ask yourself, what is it that you're feeding? Uh, what, are you, what are you digesting? What are you bringing in on a regular basis? Uh, what's the quality of food uh, that you're eating spiritually? Think about it. I mean, and not just 2020, but just as of, I mean, just even this last year, uh, definitely we see the black hole of social media. Uh, you find that if you get on that ride for too long, it'll cost you your sanity. It'll cost you your, your peace of mind. To me, when thinking about it, it kind of reminds me of just an old uh, buffet uh, to where it's filled with facts and opinions and uh, conspiracies and critiques and causes and repost and more repost. I think 2020 is the year of repost and more repost. Uh, it kind of reminds me, I get the picture of like really uh, cool kind of broken lighting and kind of flies just kind of swarming around um, some of old uh, biscuits and gravy. Um, are, are you with me? And to me, that's what it feels like at times. And I see plates just piled with this buffet food. And my caveat, my, my challenge and warning to you is just be careful on how much you take in and actually exercise quality uh, and quantity control. Because what you eat, what you put in, and the amount of information and the amount of ideas that you put in it will come out in, in ways that, uh, that might actually uh, embarrass or, or, or frustrate you. It, it might actually rob you of peace. Uh, it, it might actually rob you of just a sense of uh, balance. And uh, it actually might rob and take away room from the Holy Spirit actually speaking to you. There might be so much noise in that. There might be so much indigestion that you just, just don't feel right. And it might not have anything to do with the Holy Spirit. And it might have everything to do with what we're consuming. And so my challenge is uh, what you eat uh, should be thought about. And that's why I don't do potlucks. And the reason why I don't do potlucks is because I just don't know who brought the dish. And for me, the risk is too high. Uh, and I don't know who touched the ladle before me, so I don't do buffets, and, and I don't do potlucks. And the reason for that is because I'm actually concerned with what comes in uh, to, to, to my body, what I digest. Uh, and I challenge you, just don't, don't eat something because it's presented to you. Uh, consider it. Think through, okay, 
where's the source? Uh, is, this, is this something that is God-centered? Is this something that is Holy Spirit's uh, led and given? Um, because there's a lot of ideas and thoughts and theories out there, but those aren't the ones that change and challenge and completely uh, save the soul. Uh, that's the Word of God. Here's a diet I suggest. Uh, whether you're on you know, intermittent fasting or whether you're doing a low-carb, no-carb, high-fat, no-fat, uh, the diet that I suggest comes out of the Old Testament, and it's from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 15. I'm going to read it. It's, called the, it's the Shema prayer, but I call it the Shema diet. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be the frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you, with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and sinisters that you did not dig, and vineyards that, and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It's the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of people around you, for the Lord your God is in the midst. He is a jealous God. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. I mean, there's a lot of wonderful truths in this, in this diet here. And I can't get into it with the time that we have today. But the one thing that I want to, to pinpoint is that this Shema prayer, and this is something that uh, the, uh, the Jewish community would pray morning, noon, and night. And they would make it a public declaration. They would recite it to memory. Uh, why? Because it was so important for the very diet of their life, building their own hearts and community around them. And the, the main theme is uh, this is a prayer that uh, expresses their love and heart towards God above anything and everything else. The appetite of the kingdom is primary. It all starts with God above everything else. It's a love that engages, as you read, heart, soul, and mind. All parts engaged at the same moment. This is what we need to give our time to. If you remember Matthew chapter 22, I just want you to think about this. Because Jesus was a good student of the Torah. When he was asked, okay, what are the greatest commandments? Out of all the commandments and laws that have been given from Moses' time until now. What are, what are the top, Jesus? And without skipping a beat, we see Jesus, he records and says in Matthew chapter 22, that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. What is he, what is he reciting? He's reciting the, the Shema prayer. He, he's, he's giving information on this Shema diet way of living. He's saying, you do this, and the second thing will follow, which is the, the equal to this commandment, Love people like you love yourself. How do you love people like you love yourself? Well, you can't do it if you don't first love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your life. And in, and in doing that, what is, what is Jesus saying? He's saying you can take care of everything else if you first love God with everything. Why? Because you're not going to murder, steal, gossip, 
cheat. You're not going to uh, swear against your neighbor, towards your neighbor. You're not going to uh, malign. You're not going to abuse uh, anyone in your life if God really is number one. If God really is the love of your life, what happens is that love floods over into being able to love people around you. Even those that you would consider enemies, because of the love of God is so powerful, through your life it has the ability to cascade on, on other people. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, keep your heart with all diligence. Why? For from it flows the springs of life. See, you can't, you can't help it. What you think eventually affects how you live your life and where you go. What you eat, it, it comes out of you. And this leads into my last point today. And not only is it important for us if we want to live this life of cultivating a faith relationship, an example, and if we want to live in a way that influences people from a kingdom perspective, uh, it's going to require that we have a sound mind. We have a healthy life. We have the right diet. Uh, We have a healthy stomach. Uh, Thirdly, we have to cultivate the right confession. See, the power of words has... Uh, the ability to either build someone up or tear them down. It's, it's the ability to, to speak life and edification or the exact opposite. And, and I know there's some people that uh, they run their mouth flippantly because they, they really can't help it. And the reason why they can't help it is uh, because it's a byproduct of an ill mind and a offset diet. And out of that, out of the, 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 the mind and the thoughts not becoming captive, out of a heart that just feed on anything. You can't help it. Guess what? It's going to leak out of you. But there's the opposite as well, too. Like, um, your ability to praise and to, to compliment in, in, in a right manner and to encourage and edify and to have your speech seasoned with humility and graciousness uh, if you have a sound mind and it's rooted in Jesus, and if you're allowing the, your heart uh, to feed on God's word, guess what? You can't help it. It's the same. It, it's going to leak out of you. Compassion's going to leak out of you. Uh, mercy's going to leak out of you. Uh, you, can't, you won't be able to hold it or contain it in. Um, and this is what God's called us to be, people that speak words uh, that bring life and edification and hope and healing and encouragement to just a list of people that every day we have the opportunity to influence. Let me read a few Proverbs just to kind of hit home this point. Proverbs 11 verse 9 says, Evil words destroy one's friends. Wise discernment rescues the godly. Proverbs 11 2, or 12, excuse me. It's foolish to belittle a neighbor. A person with good sense remains silent. Proverbs eleven seventeen. Your own soul is nourished when you are kind, but you destroy yourself when you are cruel. Proverbs 15, verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but hard words, they they stir up anger. Proverbs 15, verse 4. Gentle words bring life and health, yet a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Proverbs 16, verse 24. Kind words are like honey. I love this. Sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. I think as followers of Jesus, we're called to be Proverbs 16, verse 24 people. Our words are kind. They're like honey, sweet to the soul. And they bring health to not just your body, but to people that you speak into. Which leads me then into Proverbs chapter 18, verse 4. A person's word can be 
life-giving water. Words of true wisdom are as refreshing as a bubbling brook. I don't know about you if you've ever been uh, out on a hot summer day. I know it's today. I think we're reaching, you know, the triple digits. Uh, if, if you were out in the deserts, if you were out maybe in the mountains and you're hiking or uh, traveling some way on foot, and you come across, uh, after miles and miles and miles of walking, you come across a mountain stream. I guarantee you one of the greatest feelings in that moment for you would be to take your feet, your shoes off and to place your feet that have been wore out and have been just abused by the climate and place them in this refreshing, cool water. It brings refreshing and nourishment to your life. I think we live in a culture that is wore out. I think we live in a, a time and in, 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 in a season to where people have been walking at times even aimlessly and they're hot and they're tired and they're frustrated and they're looking for some, some relief. And it's the church that God has given as this vehicle to point people to Jesus. And I'll, I'll say in this point right here, as, as we're talking about words, the church has always been God's idea. It's never been our idea. Uh, the church is always on mission. Why? Because it's, it's God's vehicle. Uh, and if we adhere to uh, the words that God has placed in front of us and we meditate on them within our mind and our thinking, and if we uh, even take the next step and begin to rehearse them so much that we get them into memory and we allow what we're feeding on not to be everything that's offered to us uh, from news and media and the conversations around us, but we actually get uh, specific and a little bit picky on what we allow our life to feed on. What's going to happen is we're going to be a people that have a voice to bring refreshing and hope and relief to people that are desperately in need of it. Proverbs 18, verse 20, back to it. It says, words satisfy the soul as food satisfies the stomach. The right words on a person's lip bring satisfaction. Come on, that's the call to every follower of Jesus, and that's the call to his church. See, our, our words, they, they have the power to build up or to tear down. And, and I know this, anyone can tear something down. Uh, demolition is not difficult. What takes some talents is the ability to construct and build and design. And God's called us to be just that, to be builders with our words, uh, to use our life to edify people. Um, I have to remind myself of this, and it's, it's a scary reality, but what's said in, in private, it, it has a way, if we're not careful, of making its way to, to the public. Or you take a home analogy, as we're talking about building, what's said in the kitchen has a way of making its way to the porch um, where other people can hear. And that could be good or bad. I want to make sure my kitchen is filled with, with words that edify and bring encouragement and hope so that ears that are around me, life that are around me, hear it, they're encouraged by it, and in so doing so, their lives begin to see radical change that comes through uh, pointing people to Jesus. See, cultivating a life of faith and godly influence requires a sound and healthy mind, a healthy heart, making sure we have the right diets. Uh, and that diet then uh, promotes the right confession. And that confession is marked by love, grace, and humility. My challenge, both for you and for myself this week, is to be people that walk in the sound mind that comes through following the example of Jesus. It's through making sure we feed on Scripture. If you've not 
read your Bible in a while, I encourage you. Don't try and read through your Bible in, in one setting. It's just not going to happen. Uh, don't even uh, try and get on a reading plan to where you haven't read and now you're going to read the Bible, you know, in 30 days. Stop it. How about you just start maybe with some Proverbs and allow the, the wisdom chapters and the verses to get into your heart and your soul and feed you that way. And then from there, you'll see how the Holy Spirit will, will move you into another passage of Scripture that will bring edification and hope and encouragement to you. If, if you're of the mindset where it's just almost been a habit to consume information, 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 maybe just this week, it's just a challenge. Maybe take an information or a news or social media fast and and do this for us. Don't tell people you're doing it. Just, just do it. Uh, You don't have to like post about it. You just, you stop for a moment and in place of that, get in a space in your home or at work or wherever you're at that works for you and say, okay, God, I'm listening. Uh, help me in my mind. I want to think soundly today. I, I don't want to be double-minded. I want to think the way of Jesus. Help me in what I eat and digest today. I want to make sure that I'm on a healthy diet that's promoting the things of the kingdom, not anything else. And then lastly, let the words of my mouth, oh, let the meditation, the psalmist says, of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sights. God, help me today with my confession. I want to be a builder. I don't want to tear down. Anyone can critique, anyone can gossip, anyone can complain, but it takes, it takes genuine faith, and those who are influenced in a godly way are people that have learned to control their tongue and their confession, and they're using it as a tool to edify and build for the kingdom of God. Friends, we got a world out there that is in desperate need of a beautiful picture of what the church is to be like. And it's one that's in unity. It's in love. We work together. We fight not against each other, but we fight together for the purposes of King Jesus, seeing him establish his mission in life's homes all across this valley. And we don't even limit to this valley. God's using us to, uh, to influence people across the globe. And so, Let's just allow God to bring some edits into our life today. You can do it. Jesus says, just change the way you think. Repent. It, it, it's easy to do. And I want to lead you in that, uh, just even as, as we close today. Father, thank you for your grace that is in, in all of our life. Uh, it's not just to some and, and, and not others, but your grace is sufficient for each and every one of us. And, and I'm asking in this moment that uh, you would uh, help us in in changing the way that we think, uh, restoring health to our mind, restoring health to our hearts, and restoring health to our confession. And if, if we've been negative, if we've been uh, maybe leaning into to more fear than love, God, we repent in Jesus' name. If we've been more critical than we have been positive and uh, just reinforcing of, of the kingdom virtues and values, we, we repent of that today. If we've been more divisive than uh, in unity, God, forgive us today. I thank you that you're doing something new in every household, every home, and every here who's listening, uh, that you take our life and you do beyond what we can imagine, hope, or think. We're mindful today that you're the God who works miracles. Our job is to simply commit to you, as both the psalmist and Proverbs say, and you're the one who establishes uh, our steps. You're the one who makes things happen. So God, turn our hearts, turn our minds and our attention back to you. This is going to be, I'm telling you right now, this is going to be a week of miracles, not because you do it, but because that's what business God is in. He's into surprising people more than they can even imagine. 
Uh, it's going to be a week of recommitments. It's going to be a week of saying yes to Jesus. You can do it right in your home right now. You don't have to wait for some altar call. You don't have to wait for someone to knock on your door. You can simply right now say, Jesus, I've not been living for you. And I want to make this known here in my living room, wherever I'm watching this, that I want my life to be centered on you. Become my starting point today. Come in and change the way I think, the way I live, and the way I act. And friend, if you say yes to Jesus, you just watch how God is going to uh, completely, completely change you from the inside out.